show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Optum's acquisition of another major home health organization. What does the Emeticist deal tell us about momentum in the healthcare space? And how can we keep exploring ways to bring healthcare to places that offer a more desirable experience? I'll talk about that. Then we're pleased to welcome Don Stanziano from Geisinger Health to share what value-based care means for consumers. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Money continues to flow into health at home. Optum is acquiring Emeticis for $3.3 billion in cash pending regulatory approval. Emeticis was one of the two largest independent home health businesses still out there. The other was LHC Group and, oh yeah, United already closed their acquisition in February for $5.4 billion. There are reasons why the industry refers to United and its Optum arm as the Death Star. They're known for being so big and opaque that outsiders can only guess at where they'll strike next. They employ more doctors than the next two biggest systems combined. They own every piece of the healthcare value chain except an acute care hospital and at an unprecedented scale. And it's likely to stay that way. After all, what would make them want to invest in hospital-based care? While the money trail is quite clear by now, what is not clear is the impact on everyday people who are receiving care at home. I've seen plenty of opinions already about those giving care. But what about patients, caregivers, and loved ones who are vested in the care process? I'm a fan of the concept of health at home. I believe it can not only substantially reduce the overall cost of care, but can also provide a better consumer experience. I believe it can make healthcare less scary without sacrificing quality. A majority of consumers would prefer to be treated at home in a familiar setting that costs a lot less, as long as they still get the care that they need. I know that's a tall order, and we're in varying stages along that continuum, but I have to hope that market signals like this newest deal point to a future that's less dependent, ultimately, on hospital-based care. The press announcement from Emeticist states that combining with Optum unites two organizations dedicated to providing compassionate, value-based, comprehensive care to patients and their families. We have some work to do in order to translate that phrase for everyday people. That's a lot of jargon. Value-based care still means nothing on the street, and comprehensive care is table stakes. We have to show that all of these investments can make a difference on an individual basis. After all, that's how a consumer judges healthcare, not on shareholder value. So I will applaud this deal for continuing to pour money into health at home, and I'll hold my breath to see if it can do so in a way that puts consumers first. Let's keep exploring ways to bring healthcare to places that offer a more desirable experience. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week.
flow, the flow, the flow. All right, let's get into the flow, everybody. I've got James Gardner, our special co-host here. Welcome, James. Good to be here, Jared. And please give it up for our guest today. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Don Stanziano, the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Geisinger Health. Don, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. What would you like our listeners to know about you personally and or professionally? I've been in healthcare, marketing and communications for going on you know, 25 years now and currently at Geisinger as the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. But I started out my career as a journalist for almost a decade. And that experience has really served me well and carried me through. And I'll tell you, if you had asked the Don Stanziano, who was a reporter back then, that he was going to be sitting in this chair at some point, I would have laughed in your face. I just never would have imagined the path that I've been on. And I think it just speaks to how life can be unpredictable and random and wonderful all at the same time. And you know, from journalism, I went into healthcare public relations basically because I was encouraged to by a source. It was a PR person in a hospital that I had been covering, and um, she encouraged me to apply for her job because she was leaving. That just got the ball rolling. And, you know, from there, I, I worked at Sharp Healthcare for a while in San Diego. I worked at Scripps Health for many years and grew my career there. I spent a couple years as a consultant and a couple years working for a member of Congress as a communications director. But all that has led me to where I am today, which is, and talking to you, which is, you know, overseeing marketing and communications at a great healthcare organization and Geisinger. What a cool path. I mean, (laughs) it's great to hear because I think nearly everyone we ever have on here didn't grow up thinking, I'm going to be that when I grow up, like the the place they are now. They didn't grow up thinking that. And partially it's because a lot of these positions didn't exist, quite frankly, but we also didn't become aware of these opportunities. They weren't the types of things we grew up talking about on the playground, you know, in grade school. So I I love hearing that. And I'm sure along the way you've had some, some great pieces of advice and some great opportunities come along your way. We've been asking a lot of our guests, what's one of those pieces of career advice that has stuck with them or guided them in some way? Does something come to mind? Yeah, there absolutely is. And it it was a mentor and former CEO of mine who encouraged me to ask for what I want and be clear about what you're interested in. And that served me well because I was asked that question. And at that point, I did want to be a chief marketing officer. <laughs> and I said so. And uh, a couple of years later, it happened. And by getting on his radar and making him aware that I wanted an opportunity like that, I did find myself in the position to be considered and ultimately getting that, that position. I tell young people that now all the time, that you need to think about where you want to be next and don't don't be shy about sharing that. I love ambition and I, I want to see it in my team. And uh, I encourage folks to express their ambitions because I may not know where your heart wants to take you professionally unless you tell me. The worst thing to, that can happen to somebody is to be pigeonholed because you're only seen in as a contributor in that one position you're in today, right? And uh, we all have more to offer than what we're currently offering. I sometimes tell my students at Northeastern that they are brand managers of their career and no one cares more about their career than they should. And that's what I hear you saying, Don. For those of us who aren't as familiar with Geisinger as we should be, unpack like why it's such a unique health system. 
What are you doing in Pennsylvania that makes you um, so different and so unique? Yeah, it's, uh, Geisinger is about 108 years old organization in central rural Pennsylvania. Uh, our headquarters are in Danville. And as I said to my family a few times, no, it's not near Philly and it's not near Pittsburgh. We are <laughs> smack dab in the middle of Pennsylvania, but serve now through our health plan because we are both a provider and a payer. And I'll get into that in a second. We serve the entire state of Pennsylvania. Traditionally, we serve the rural middle of the state and the northeastern part of the state. Many folks, if you're fans of the TV show The Office, you know Scranton, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. That's our sort of more uh, populous market. And then we serve several rural counties throughout the middle of the state that sort of fill that space between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. But now with our health plan, we are statewide and we have... uh, health plan members throughout the state of Pennsylvania. We were among the first organizations in the country to implement an electronic health record, which is one of our claims to fame. And we have a legacy health plan that we launched, didn't acquire it, we launched it back in the 90s. And we have an integrated payer provider system where we have members who are patients, patients who are members, but we also treat patients who are covered by other health insurers. And we have members who get their care other health systems, which makes us somewhat an interesting animal in the space. So we talk often on the show about payviders, which I think is what you're describing. Can you describe like in detail <laughs> how those incentives to take care of your patients makes for like a powerful business model? Because it really is something that, you know, United Health obviously is based on and Kaiser and others that we look that we look to for inspiration. But what does it mean in practice? It allows us to look at the patient through a broader lens. I think, you know, if you you think about a camera and opening up the aperture, we can see a little more of that patient's health journey. And we have more skin in the game, quite frankly, in managing their health and keeping them well. And by that, I mean, if you are both a patient and a member of Geisinger, you can access programs and services that we may not offer to folks who have other health insurance coverage. And we have a line of sight into your care journey because of that integrated record, a medical record that is more challenging if we didn't and uh, providers who don't. So programs like our 65 Forward, which is our senior focused primary care clinic for folks who are on our Medicare Advantage plan, we can better manage their chronic disease. We encourage them to see their provider more often. They can have longer visits with their provider. There are health and wellness benefits that come with that program. And that's an offering that is only available if you're a member of our Medicare Advantage plan. So that's just one small example, but it gives us the ability to look at you as a whole person in terms of your health not just episodically. And I've worked in, you know, for other organizations that don't have health plans. And even though you might engage in a risk-based contract with a, another payer, it's still not quite the same in terms of the level of integration and the ability to be creative in putting together programs to address chronic disease and maintain wellness. That helps us kind of peel back the layers and shed a light on some of the innovations that have historically happened here at Geisinger. And I want to point to Maybe the biggest splash lately that is 
happened. And that's when Geisinger and Kaiser Permanente made this announcement about the creation of Ryzen's Health. Can you review the basic details of that announcement for us and kind of tell us the, the who, what, when, where, why, and uh, just tell us why this was significant? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I you know a little disclaimer, though. Transaction is under regulatory review and approval right now, so it's not a done deal. That process is underway. But what we did announce with Kaiser Permanente was really exciting and, and sort of a novel approach to uh, healthcare organizations coming together is the formation of a new organization under Kaiser Permanente called Ryzen Health. And Ryzen will include nonprofit health systems committed to value-based care. And Geisinger is the first member. And we're thrilled to be part of that launch. And we're thrilled to be the first member. And we look forward to, to all that will bring. And we have a history of commitment to value-based care, just like Kaiser Permanente. I think our cultures and our our missions are very similar, and we're both nonprofit organizations with a legacy of providing high-quality care that is also value-based, and couldn't be more thrilled. That's fantastic. My understanding would be that this isn't an existing service area for Kaiser. If I, I, I don't know all the details. I, I know they they have a service area in the Mid-Atlantic states. Uh, they're in they're in California. Are they currently operating anywhere near? Anywhere where Geisinger's footprint is? No, the nearest would be the Mid-Atlantic region in Maryland and the Washington, D.C. metro area. But there's there's no overlap between our service area and Kaiser. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, let's talk about this announcement from a, from a marketing point of view. And again, with, with that disclaimer that you shared uh, in terms of this is still pending regulatory review, even just the the thought of this is, is really interesting to me. Again, we we have a lot of marketing perspective on this podcast. We don't go into the details as much as we used to because there's been so much of a need to focus on consumer strategy and consumer transformation because what we've recognized over the years on this podcast is that yeah, what affects marketing more than a lot of other things is the fact of what you're actually offering, like what the care services are, what the care models are. And there's only so much marketing you can do based on what you're actually, what type of experience you're providing a patient or a consumer. So if you are actively trying to make that experience better and simpler and more convenient, then there's a good chance that that has a very positive impact on your brand. So when we hear about things like like this announcement, what does that mean for Geisinger's brand promise? Like, does it change anything? And just any you know top of mind thoughts about how it affects things? Yeah, well, sure. First of all, nothing changes from our brand perspective. And I think that speaks volumes about the strength of the Geisinger brand and that Kaiser Permanente sees the value in our brand. Be, one, to, by choosing us to be the first member of this new venture, but also agreeing that we should retain the name in our market because it, it has such resonance and strength. So we will continue to operate, should the deal be approved, as Geisinger. We'll, so there's still a brand to manage and there's still marketing to be done in Pennsylvania under the Geisinger name. Our brand promise, interestingly, you used the term already, is making better health easier. And we see this as an opportunity to accelerate our ability to deliver on that promise because both of our organizations have been committed to that very idea of empowering our patients and members take charge of their health, using digital tools to do that, 
finding value in the care that we deliver, providing you know high quality care in the right location at, to the right patient at the right time. And we think that by coming together, we will be able to accelerate that in our markets for our communities and our patients and members. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On the Hello Healthcare podcast, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. These stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Learn more at hellohealthcare.com. And now, back to the show. Well, that leads me to this, this other thought of how to convey that how to share that value proposition, for lack of a better term, with a consumer or a patient, those who are seeking care, how do they understand that this can benefit them? That, that again, whether it's this, this announcement or your existing structure as a payvider, how do you convey the value of the innovation that's happening to a consumer or a patient? I'm a communicator and I'm a word guy, but I almost think you have to show versus tell And I think that's one of the reasons that our brand is so strong is that our consumers, our patients and our members know us. They're familiar with us. They know that they can count on us. And I think we have to continue to just do that. We have to show up and deliver every day high quality care that's accessible, affordable and easier than it was the day before. And we're excited about the possibilities of taking advantage of some of the innovations that the Kaiser Permanente organization have brought to their patients and members. We hope that uh, you know this will allow for some of that to accelerate in Pennsylvania. I think it's showing up and delivering. In the meantime, though, we do have to communicate what we are doing, and it's you know showing through words and, and tell and the storytelling, which is why I love what I do, because it, it goes all the way back to the beginning of my career, as I said earlier, and because I think marketing and communications is rooted in good storytelling. So whether it's a patient like one by the name of Joan Marie from Tamaqua, Pennsylvania, who's in our PACE program that we call Life Geisinger. Now that is an absolute pay biter program. And we are keeping her independent and active and managing her health by having her enrolled in this program and getting her involved in health-related activities that keep her both physically and mentally and emotionally active and engaged. We did a television spot with her last year, and she is just thrilled that she's learning how to box. She's doing chair boxing, you know, as part of her program with uh, Life Geisinger. So that I think that's how you communicate the value of value-based care is to tell those stories and bring them to life through real people. What a perfect example of telling one of those stories. I'm like, it makes so much more sense when we talk about it in the lives of individuals who are engaged in their care. I love that. So thanks for sharing that. I feel like that also helps us understand, and maybe it's the same answer in terms of how do we convey broadly the importance of value-based care I'm wondering what role you feel like value-based care plays in creating a healthier society. So outside of any individual encounter, maybe it's the collection of all these encounters that happen, as well as those 
who are not yet comfortable seeking care. I know there's a role that value-based care plays here in ultimately making us, like leading us to a better place as a society, but it feels like it helps us kind of take a step back from the day-to-day of any individual organization and say, like, if, if we're doing this right, this gets us to a different place. What role do you think value-based care does play in, in our society? I think it can play a, a big role, and it is the future of healthcare in America. It has to be, because the old model, the current model, the legacy model, whatever you want to call it, is not sustainable. And, you know, Americans are... American society values individualism and choice. And what the data shows us is, as a society, we've not made good health choices because we're one of the unhealthiest uh, Western societies on the planet. And yet we've got access to all this great health care. We're not using our health care dollars wisely relative to other Western societies. So value-based care is really an attempt to address that, which is it is the model and it's getting involved earlier. And as I said, you know, in, in describing James, answering James' question about well, the benefits of being a, both a payer and a provider, it's making sure that the incentives for healthcare organizations are aligned to delivering not just high quality care when it's needed, but care that is preventive and anticipatory before there's the need for a serious intervention. And so, you know, chronic disease management is what we talk about in value-based care all the time. That is the biggest value opportunity probably. But even for healthier individuals, younger individuals, getting folks more aware, providing more incentives for screenings and and lifestyle programs is, I think, where value-based care is headed and where we can see the most value. We're so focused on providing, as an industry, in addressing the acute needs of individuals who are uh, sick and injured, and we're ignoring the vast numbers of people who have undiagnosed or emerging health issues that aren't being addressed because there's no incentive to address them. And a value-based care, that's the purpose of value-based care, is to get in front of these issues before they become uh, serious and um, out of control. I love that because if we're, again, if we're all doing this, if there's more value-based care, you know, it's a thought of this abundance versus scarcity mentality, right? Hopefully there's a place and a path and a journey to get more value-based care working correctly to lead to the place you just described. And I do think that's an important part of the puzzle. It, it might sound obvious to some of us, and maybe it's just worth repeating the fact of, yeah, that's where we all want to go at the end of the day. It's not just trying to load up and up the bottom line of one organization or another. And I love the way you described it of where this path can lead us and how that helps all the individuals in, in society. So I appreciate that that perspective there. What about those who are maybe not quite as sold on the concept of value-based care, who maybe are a little skeptical or they just, maybe it's because they don't have the same definition of what it is. But what do you say to people who are skeptical about value-based care and its ability to to help further the cause and and provide higher quality health care? So let's all acknowledge change is hard, right? So a healthy dose of skepticism is okay because it's going to make those of us in the value-based care arena better. 
and stronger by asking tough questions and challenging some of our assumptions. But what I would say to folks who are really worried about it or concerned or all, or cynical even beyond skeptical, it would be that the, the current model is not sustainable. It's not in the best interest of the people we're here to serve. I mean, most you know, healthcare organizations all have mission statements and we're not delivering on our mission if we're continuing to allow people to be sick and if we're intervening too late and if we're not maximizing the healthcare dollar that is being spent, and more and more of those dollars are federal dollar, tax dollars that all of us pay into a system that reimburses these organizations that, uh, for the care. So it's all in our best interest to make sure that there's value in the system while also making sure that the quality of the care is high and that the experience is good and that that there's access to the care that's needed when it's needed. And, the, you know, healthcare is uh, it's complex, it's not easy, and it's highly personal. I love that thought. And I wanted to give you a, a chance for, for a final thought about sharing anything else that we haven't talked about today, whether it has anything to do with that announcement or just anywhere else that, that you're spending time, that you're looking at these days. It's right in the middle of your radar screen. Anything else we haven't talked about? Well, no, th- thanks, Jared and, and James. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and certainly the, uh, the, the good questions. I, I guess I would say that I think this is an exciting time to be a marketer in healthcare because we're seeing new choices coming about. And I think healthcare organizations are recognizing the importance of listening to consumers, which I know is a passion of yours, and making sure that um, we're meeting those needs. And more and more that's happening in in the digital space, you know, we're doing more and more self-service on our website and in clinic kiosks to expedite process and make it easier and more convenient for our our patients when they're in a clinic or our patients and members when they want to schedule or see a provider to do that themselves. And I think we're going to continue to see more and more of that. And as a marketer, I find that really exciting because that's something that we can sell. And you always want to be able to meet your consumers where they are by offering them services that address their their needs. And I, I think uh, healthcare is definitely moving in that direction, and that makes it incredibly exciting. That's so true. I love I love uh, you mentioned self service, and I do think that will play an increasing part in the healthcare of of the future. So Don, thanks. Thanks so much for giving us so much to think about today for our listeners who would like to connect with you. Is there a good way for them to do that? Is that on LinkedIn? Is there a way for them to connect with you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Just uh, search for Don Stanziano and I, I am there. Outstanding. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Don Stanziano from Geisinger Health and welcoming our special co-host James Gardner with us today. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.